You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Well, we are going to be in our Bibles starting in 2 Samuel chapter 4. If you want to open your Bible apps to 2 Samuel 4 or go old school with a paper Bible, that's awesome. 2 Samuel chapter 4, our ushers do have Bibles, and if you want to raise your hand uh, of the paper variety, we can either give it to you or loan it to you. Either way, 2 Samuel 4. Actually, 2 Samuel 4 is the first, by the way, of of five chapters we're reading during the weekdays this week. If you do not have a Bible reading plan, Join us at visitgracechurch.com slash Bible. We have daily reading chapters plus devotionals written by our team. Visitgracechurch.com slash Bible to read with us as a follow-up to this weekend's uh, talk. And so I do want to welcome all of our campuses. Uh, if you're part of our Olathe campus team, guys, it is next weekend. We have our grand opening on Sunday, February 5th at 1030. I want to speak to everybody who's a part of the Grace Church family. If you live in Gardner, Olathe, or Spring Hill, if you live in Gardner, Olathe, or Spring Hill, I'm going to ask you next week to attend our grand opening in Olathe for three reasons. Three reasons you want to actually attend that grand opening. Reason number one, to show your support for Olathe campus, because they're doing a fantastic job. Reason two, that next week, if you live in Gardner, Olathe, or Spring Hill, to go to that grand opening. Reason two, to see what God was doing for yourself in your own community. It is your own community. And so to see what God's doing there, and you're going to see same grace kids ministry, same grace students, same source special needs ministry, same worship. It's going to blow you away. Third reason to go visit next week, 1030 grand opening, to invite your own friends and neighbors who are in your community to this new church location. And so I encourage you, if you live in Gardner or Latha Spring Hill, next weekend, 1030, show up at Prairie Creek Elementary. I do want to welcome those of you who are in the venue right now or those in the auditorium. Welcome, guys. If you know people in those communities, text them, call them, send them to our grand opening as well. If you're online, welcome to you guys. We're continuing our series in the Bible. It's called Your Story. And we've seen, we're trying to actually equip people because it's so vital that you tell your faith journey and tell people about Jesus. But many people don't know. Where do you start? How do you tell me about Jesus? And so we've equipped you with a four-chapter example of how you share your faith story with Jesus with other people. And so we've been going through this. We've received stories from many of you. Thank you. There's still time. You can email us at stories at visitgracechurch.com. But we've received several stories. I want to read two stories. And if you want to take notes, you can take notes about this this four-chapter model. One story from a young man, one from a woman in our church. So chapter one of our faith story, if you're taking notes, chapter one, my life before Jesus. Chapter one of our faith stories, our life before Jesus, the young man in our church wrote this, I don't really remember before Jesus because I was seven when I accepted Jesus, which is awesome. That's the way it should be. Here's the woman in our church. She wrote, my life was nothing I'm proud of. It was chaos. She listed several areas of regrets and chaos, and and it's awesome that Jesus sought her and loved her, redeemed her. Chapter two, our faith story, how I met Jesus, how I met Jesus. And so the young man wrote this, I met Jesus through my parents, 
which is God's hope, God's intention? You know, the woman in our church wrote, it's been a long transformation. Uh, actually, she wrote, my ex-mother-in-law had her husband die in a tragic accident, but seeing the community of believers around her made me thirst for him. So tragedy and support and love. Chapter 3 of our faith story, chapter 3, how Jesus changed me. How did Jesus change you? And so the young man said, I found more joy in all areas of my life. And the woman said, I have a sense of peace that only God can give. Okay, so chapter 4 of our faith story, chapter 4, what Jesus is doing in my life today. And the young man wrote this. God is changing me in how I'm loving others more for who they are, which is wonderful. And the woman wrote this. I want people to know that not all journeys are filled with blessings the minute you accept God into your life. But he is with with us through it all, the good and the bad. Great representations of faith stories. If you want to send your faith story four chapters to us at stories at visitgracechurch.com, that'd be awesome. We're today looking at another guy's story in the Bible. This man's name is Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. And by the way, if you know somebody who's expecting, that's a great name for a boy or a girl. I believe it's unisex, Mephibosheth. And so here, we're going to see two of the four chapters, by the way, of Mephibosheth in 2 Samuel. We're only going to cover two of them. I encourage you to read the rest of the story. We're going to read that this week in our daily reading together, visitgracechurch.com slash Bible. And honestly, this is an Old Testament story, and the Old Testament is sometimes more difficult to read because you don't know why am I reading this? How does this relate to us? I want to give you a principle of Bible study that will help you read and understand and apply the Old Testament in your life. Here's the principle. Everything physical in the Old Testament is a picture of something spiritual in the New. Everything physical in the Old Testament is a picture of something spiritual in the New. When you read about physical bread in the Old Testament, that is a picture of spiritual bread in the New. When you read about a physical sword in the Old Testament, a picture of spiritual sword in the New. A physical battle. Why am I reading this battle in the Old Testament? Is a picture of spiritual warfare in the New Testament. And when a man has an encounter with a physical king, like Mephibosheth encounters King David, the true king. Guys, that's a picture of how we spiritually encounter the true king, King Jesus. We're going to see today Mephibosheth's story is my story. Mephibosheth's story is your story. And our hopes are that, that there's a polarization happens in your mind that you see how desperate and low and hopeless you were before Jesus. And... How amazing and privileged and accepted you are now, after Jesus. Some polarization. Well, not the mediocre middle. I was pretty fine before Jesus, and I'm kind of fine afterward. No, no, no. I was hopeless. I was Mephibosheth. And I have amazing acceptance and privilege in Christ. We are Mephibosheth. So let's pray, and we'll dive into his story. God, thank you for this chance to gather to worship you, to unpack this incredible story, which really gives us an understanding, sheds light on our own spiritual journeys. And thank you for the chance to worship you, to honor you, to surrender to you. If there's somebody here that has never thrown themselves 
on the ground at the feet of the true King Jesus and asked him for mercy and surrendered their life, gave up the throne of their life and say, I am your servant. God, today would be the day that they would bow the knee. They'd throw themselves on the ground at your feet and just say, dear God, Jesus, accept me. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so look, let's look at chapter 1. And the same four chapters we have in our faith story are the same four chapters he has. Let's look at Mephibosheth's life before he met King Jesus. Before he met King Jesus, it pictures for us chapter 1, if you're taking notes, chapter 1. This pictures our desperation before Jesus. We were in a desperate, hopeless state before we met Jesus, whether he realized it or not. Here's Mephibosheth, by the way. He was the grandson of King Saul. Here's a chart. King Saul is at the top of this chart. He was the people's choice. He was a bad choice. He was the first king of Israel. He was replaced, by the way, by the second choice, God's choice, King David. That was the good choice. At the bottom of that is the grandson of King Saul, Mephibosheth, which means he was a potential heir, an opponent to the throne of King David. All right, after that, Saul and three of his sons were killed in a battle. And so the family line starts getting wiped out. And his uncle, Ishbosheth, becomes, becomes king for two years. Half the nation recognizes Ishbosheth as king. Half the nation recognizes the true king, King David, as king. Two years later, Ishbosheth is murdered by two of his generals. That leaves one guy as a ch- child of the wife of King Saul. The last heir. This was a very dangerous spot for this boy. Very dangerous. And so in that context, let's see his background before he met King David. 2 Samuel 4, verse 4. says this. Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He wasn't born lame. He actually was a running, healthy boy running around, you know, up to five years old. He was dropped. He don't miss this. He fell. And something broke. Both of his ankles or legs broke, never healed. He never walked again. It goes on. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. Don't miss it. Five years old. News was the cause of his fall. And his nurse, someone intended to help him, took him up and fled. Uh, And it happened as she made haste to flee, she's trying to help him, that he fell. Everything physical in the Old Testament, this picture of something spiritual in the New, he fell and became lame. Something on him died. His name was Mephibosheth. Okay, five-year-old boy running fine, news comes to them about death and danger, a nurse trying to help him, runs out, drops him, breaks both of his ankles or knees or legs. Something dies on him. That is Mephibosheth physically, but everything physical in the Old Testament, picture from the spiritual and the new. This is what happens to every person before they meet Jesus. You're alive as a baby, though you have a sin nature, until the day news comes and awareness of morality comes, right from wrong comes, and that day kills you spiritually. The thing intended to help you, the commandments of God, actually drop you. You fall, and a part of you dies. Your soul dies. Look what it says here. It says in Romans chapter 7, verse 10. Romans 7, verse 10. It says this. 
Paul's talking about his own life. I was alive without the law once. I was alive once. So he's like a young boy running around sin nature, but he's still alive spiritually, just like Mephibosheth. But when the commandment came, that's the news that comes, the awareness of morality, right from wrong. Sin revived, and I died. He fell. And the commandment, like his nurse trying to help him, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. Guys, Mephibosheth's story is our, physically, is our story spiritually. There came a day in your life where right from wrong came. And the commandment was trying to help you. But in your sin nature, you fell. You went from life to death. Mephibosheth was broken. Part of him had died. His family was always opposing the true king. And he was in danger. That was our life spiritually. I am Mephibosheth. Here's my question for you. Do I realize my desperation? My desperation before Jesus. It was hopeless and desperate. Let's look at chapter 2 of Mephibosheth's story. Chapter 2, how he met King David, which pictures for us, our chapter 2, Jesus pursuing us. Jesus pursued us. We didn't seek after God. We didn't seek Jesus. He sent his servant to come after us. He says this in 2 Samuel 9, verse 1. Let's fast forward 2 Samuel 9. Now Mephibosheth has grown up. He's got a wife. He's got a small child. He's hiding out in a city that's not a good city on the other side of the Jordan, the east side of the Jordan. And David has an idea. David pictures Jesus. He says this in 2 Samuel 9, verse 1. And now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, don't miss this. David was best friends with Jonathan, who was the son of King Saul. They made a covenant. They made an agreement, a covenant together. We're going to take care of our descendants. We're, we're making a covenant right now. Mephibosheth is about to be the beneficiary of a covenant that he has nothing to do with. It's not based on his works. It's based on a testament that's unrelated to him. Verse 2. And there was a servant. Who's a servant picture? The Holy Spirit. Jesus calls his servant to him, Ziba. And the servant of the house of Saul, whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? That was the conversation in heaven when Jesus began pursuing you. It's about God's kindness that you don't deserve. And Ziba Picture of the Holy Spirit said to the king, well, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. I know where he is, and I know how broken he is. Brokenness, our sin nature. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, well, indeed, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Lodabar was the city, a word that means no pasture, nothing green, nothing alive. Where are we hiding out from King Jesus when God meets us, sends for us? We're in a bad place. Nothing green, nothing living. He says this, verse 5, Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Jesus had the idea to come after us. We did not come to him. 
Verse 6. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face at the feet of the true king, prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, here is your servant. He says, David, I might have had a right to the throne. I've been a potential king of my own life my entire life. I don't want to be king of my life. You are king of my life. I am your servant. This is the moment that happens, the moment you receive Jesus Christ. You throw yourself on the ground at his feet, knowing that he's offering you mercy that you do not deserve. You're a broken person, and he drew you and brought you into his presence. Have you knelt at his feet, thrown yourself on the ground at the feet of the true king, King Jesus? Everything physical in the Old Testament is a picture of something spiritual and new. John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus describes this. John 6, 44, Jesus even said, you did not seek after God. God drew you to him. John 6, 44, no one can come to me. Unless the Father who sent me draws him. Jesus pursued you. He still pursues you. God is pursuing you right now for the relationship with him that he made you for. And there's people around you, by the way, all around you have not yet bowed at the feet of Jesus. God is pursuing them, and they don't realize it yet. That's why you're there. You're there on the spot. You see, God himself loves you and is drawing you by his servant, the Holy Spirit. Here's my question. Do you realize how Jesus pursued you? How much Jesus loved you and pursued you? He loved you so much. Chapter 3 of his story, because we are Mephibosheth. How did King David change him? Well, he changed everything, just like Jesus changed us. The moment you throw yourself at the feet of Jesus, everything changes, by the way. Chapter 3, Jesus changed everything. Chapter 3, Jesus changed everything. 2 Samuel 9, verse 7 is the verse. Right after he threw himself at the feet of the true king. He says, I'm no longer king of my life. Verse 7. So David said to him, do not fear. By the way, that's the most mentioned commandment in all the Bible. Do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. Why? God knows that fear can affect our behavior. It can affect our beliefs. Fear can paralyze us. Fear changes you. Jesus says over and over, do not fear, do not fear. He tells him, in my presence, you're safe. I'm going to take care of you. He goes on, verse 7. I will surely show you kindness For Jonathan, your father's sake. This is kindness you don't deserve. It is not based on your works or effort. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. Instantly, you're a rich man and you had nothing to do with it. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner in my presence at my table. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? I am so unworthy. I so do not deserve what you're offering me. Humility. We are Mephibosheth. And the king called to Ziba, don't miss this, Saul's servant, he pictures the Holy Spirit, said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to his house, 
You, therefore, this is exciting, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him. You see, he's still broken in his legs. He still has a sin nature. You're going to do the heavy lifting. You, the Holy Spirit, are going to do the actual work. He's going to focus on sitting in my presence with me as the Holy Spirit does what he cannot do. And he says this, You shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat, but Mephibosheth, my, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. See, King David changed everything about Mephibosheth. He provided for him. He made him a very rich man immediately, offered the table, said the servants would do what he could not do for himself. And that picture is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, which says Jesus changed everything. The moment you threw yourself on the ground at the feet of the true king. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You're brand new. Old things, all the things you regret about your past, they have passed away. They're gone. Forgiven like it never happened. Behold, all things have become new. Guys, this is a picture of our lives. Do you realize how much? Here's the question. Do you realize how much Jesus has changed you? He has changed everything in your life. You owe everything to him. And he sends right now, even right now, the servant, the Holy Spirit, is doing for you what you cannot do. Because your legs, which broke at the age of five, they're still not fixed. You still have that sin nature in you. And you need to focus on sitting at the table with the king, seeing his love, listening to his word, feasting with him. It's about your daily, multiple times a day relationship with him. And watch the servant do the Holy Spirit, what only he can do. I am Mephibosheth. You are Mephibosheth. Chapter 4 of his story, what was, Jesus, David, what was David doing in Mephibosheth's life in that day after that? Pictures are chapter 4, by the way. What Jesus offers us, chapter 4. What does Jesus offer us? He offers us a relationship with him that is so incredible, and we don't deserve it. It's not based on our works or effort. It's in verse 11, 2 Samuel 9, verse 11. It says this. Then Ziba who pictures the Holy Spirit, the servant of the king, said to the king, picturing Jesus, according to all that my Lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. Everything Jesus asks. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, here it comes, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. This is the first time he introduces this concept. He, he, just sit at the table. You'll be at the table with me, feasting with me. I'll take care of you. I'll provide for you. And now he says, I'm going to treat him like my family. No difference between him and my sons. He just adopted him into his family, the family of the king. And you see this in verse 12. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth, so Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem. Here's what he was doing. For he ate continually 
breakfast with the king, lunch with the king, dinner with the king, dessert with the king, in the presence of the king, and he was lame in both his feet, still just as broken. Wow, what a story. Everything physical in the Old Testament pictures something spiritual and new. This is our story. We were adopted into the family of God. Romans chapter 8. We were adopted by Jesus Christ the moment that you threw yourself on the ground at his feet. Romans chapter 8 verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you received the Holy Spirit. The spirit of adoption. You've been adopted into the family of God. God the Father is your dad, your adopted dad, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. This is an amazing concept. I'm a dad who's adopted. And so in our family, we have two biological kids and one adopted daughter. And I can tell you this, being a dad who's adopted, there is no difference. She's a Howie. She gets all the rights of being a Howie. Bad news? Just all the problems of being a Howie. <laughs> There's a whole boatload of problems that comes with that too. But guess what? She's my daughter. She's my daughter. And she's adopted. And there is no difference than my son or my daughter. And when God the Father looks at you, he treats you just like his son. Who's his son? Jesus. I don't see sin. I forgave all of that. I treat you like, you're my son. Don't run yourself down like that. Don't let others run you down like that. You are my daughter. I would never let someone talk about you like that. You're mine. I protect you. I guide you. I provide for you. You just focus on spending time with me. My servant, I see your brokenness. He's going to do all the work for you. You need to trust that dad is taking care of you. He goes on to say, verse 16, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit will prompt in you saying, you are a daughter. You're a son. You're a child of God. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. You're in the inheritance. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Here's the question. Are you experiencing life with Jesus Ask yourself, am I experiencing life with Jesus? I am Mephibosheth. You are Mephibosheth. See, here's, here's our story. We were in the enemy family spiritually, the devil's family. We were in a dangerous spot because our family always tried to take the throne from the true king, Jesus. At some point, five years old, whatever the age, we got right from wrong and we fell. And part of us died spiritually. And in response, we went and hid from the true king. We were in Lodabar, no pasture, nothing good. We're in a bad place. And God loved you so much. He says, how can I show the kindness of God to them? How can I bless them with a covenant they had nothing to do with, not based on their works? This is my enemy, my enemy's grandson. Go get him. And the Holy Spirit drew you and loved you and brought you into Jesus' presence hoping you'd throw yourself at the feet of Jesus. And if you do that, everything changes. And every single day, you say, my biggest job is to spend time in the presence of my dad, of my Savior. And there's all these things I cannot do because my legs are broken still. But the servant 
can do everything I can't. The Holy Spirit can do it. Have you thrown yourself on the ground at the feet of the true king and said, I am no longer queen of my life. I'm no longer king of my life. I am your servant. I'm going to give you a chance to do that right now. Let's bow our heads for prayer. If you would bow your heads for prayer, whether you're in the auditorium or the venue, whether you're in Olathe or online, I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray and give your life to Jesus Christ. If you have done that before, would you pray for those here who the Holy Spirit is drawing them into the presence of the Savior? Would you pray for those everywhere who need to pray to receive Christ? They are Mephibosheth. If you have not yet or you're not sure you've prayed to give your life fully and completely to Jesus, would you pray this and make this prayer your own? Pray something like this. Dear Jesus, pray it. Dear Jesus, I throw myself at your feet. Jesus, pray this. A part of me is broken. My sin nature is broken and sinful and hopeless. Pray this. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for rising from the grave. And then pray this. Jesus, just like Mephibosheth, I tell you right now, I am no longer king of my life or queen of my life. I am no longer in charge of my life. I am your servant from this point forward. Pray that. I'm yours. Our heads are still bowed in all of our locations. We're still praying for you. If you prayed today, or over the last four weeks, I'm not asking in this series at this moment. If you prayed over the last four weeks with me or today, in any of our locations, we have site pastors in all of our locations right now. Would you raise your hand nice and high if you prayed so the site pastor can see your hand? I prayed to receive Christ. Keep it up just for a moment. I want to see. Our site pastors want to see. I prayed today or in the last four weeks to receive Jesus Christ. God sees your hands and he sees your heart. At this moment, everything has changed. Lord Jesus, we are overwhelmed by how unworthy we were of any love or forgiveness or riches that you give us in Christ. And we're overwhelmed by your kindness your covenant not related to our goodness or works and how you pursued us and changed everything you are great Lord thank you for listening to this week's message if you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com